0: Head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is The Limitless
1: Keith Lee. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open
0: Podcast.
1: You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. But if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to our NXT Takeover in Your House recap and analysis. My name is Nick Howell.
0: And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And that's right, Nick. We have just seen NXT Takeover. In Your House, a.k.a. the dad joke of NXT Takeovers, because get it? You're in your house. I'm in my house. We're all stuck in our houses still, supposedly, or at least we were when they first announced the name of the show. Now everyone else is out in the street, apparently. But it's okay. They still called it In Your House, and they brought everything back. All of the Todd Pettengill was there. The old graphics were there. The old set. like It was It was essentially their modern take on an old 90s in your house show, but the card was very modern. And we got to talk about all of that, Nick. I don't know if you want to do our uh, housekeeping real quick here, because we got to talk about this show.
1: I'll do the TLDR version, BWOPodcast.com. Yeah. Everything else is in the links down in the description down below. But make sure you subscribe here to the channel, YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open, and got your notifications on, because we're about two weeks into our brand-new daily show called BWO Daily. And if you're checking us out for the first time, you definitely want to make sure you hit those for all your daily news at the end of each workday. But yeah, Ian, let's not waste any more time. I think everybody knows where to find all of our stuff. Let's head over and start breaking down what happened tonight at NXT TakeOver in
0: your house. Well, right off the bat, Nick, we gotta I want to talk about the setup of this whole thing before we even get into the matches because okay. as we said, they brought back the old set. We had like the little door. With the with the doorbell and the big like the the frame of the house and you know again we're still in front of a how should I put this in company crowd they brought a whole bunch of the kids in from the PC and like the undercard of NXT and they're all sitting out there behind the plexiglass um so it was it was a it's still very odd yeah. To see all of this, not hitting but the mark. Not, not, <laughs> not, it was weird. Yeah, but uh, but again, it wasn't all they did. it didn't just bring back the set. They also had the graphics. They made the graphics modern. They had a little um, bit at the beginning with Todd Pettengoe coming back and be like, "Yeah, remember, remember me? I don't have the mullet anymore, but it's still me. My voice is still awesome and iconic." Where has he been? And he's still saying, "Oh yeah, call this one nine hundred number to buy your merch." Like it was all this throwback stuff. They even showed clips of Old In Your Houses at the beginning, which kind of funnily enough, only showed Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash, which was, I thought, interesting. The click be clicking still. But uh, overall, Nick, what did you think of the presentation of this show? How everything was set up between the theme and the audience? Like, how how was this? We, we, We all kind of like went, really? When they first said In Your House, how did it turn out?
1: It was, it was, the set and the production of it, it was okay. I wasn't, I'm not over the moon about it. I like big, super, massive Trons. Like, back in October when they unveil, unveiled SmackDown on Fox and the all-new Raw Tron that was like the half-pipe with the flames coming out of it. Like, oh, that's a set. Holy crap. This was, it was nostalgic. It was fun. It was like 1995 all over again. I felt those, those vibes of being a... Uh, A late teenager watching wrestling all over again with my buddies and pizza. So, you know, I I got some of that nostalgia vibe back. Uh, Apparently, they've upgraded the front door to have a a ring doorbell because you had a 4K camera or something on the front of it where you could see the whole ring and and the audience and stuff. Yeah, we got a
0: couple of shots where they they hung on those shots, too. Like, there's other points in the night where they were were just, you know, avid farting and, like, you know, Kevin Dunn editing, like, (laughs) There was one there was one time where somebody did a superplex and they had three different cuts in the middle of the superplex. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, you know, in the middle of they had a cinematic match in this, Dream and Cole were in a cinematic match out in the parking lot, and they they cut that like they, you know, the, the editor of Taken Three was on cocaine. So it was you know, hit and miss. And then that one shot, the door shot they hung on. Overall, I agree, Nick. I thought that it was Fun. My nostalgia was tickled as someone who remembers the in your house shows. And I definitely had a nice little flashback. But the downside was I felt that sometimes it took away from the seriousness of it all. And there were certain matches I wanted to have more weight, and they didn't because that goofy ass set was sitting there. <laughs> and I couldn't take it. To- Karrion Cross comes in with, you know, Doom and Gloom and Armageddon, and there's a stupid house behind him. Like a goofy little door set behind. I'm like, Ugh. it, j- it kind of cut the legs out from underneath.
1: So if that took it away for you, what took it away for me was the weirdest thing. We've all been saying we wanted crowds back. We wanted crowds back. We wanted some noise. We wanted rid of the deafening silence. There were some moments here. You mentioned the carry and cross entrance and everything, that doom and gloom entrance. And it, you had that kind of half-hearted fall and pray. Fall and it was pray, like it sung a happy and- birthday at Chili's, you know. Happy birthday. Just that half-hearted kind of stuff. So I'm in this weird spot where I'm like, I, I kind of don't want the ha- – I'd rather have no fans than the half-hearted, offbeat fan crap and not pure you know, energy that we're used to getting yeah. at, at the performance center. So
0: What's funny is, dude, I actually lo- I thought this crowd was more hype than any crowd, any, any like what I call them prison crowd. That I've seen, you know, where they you, know, you force the prisoners to all like come out of their jail cells and and you know work. Um, they're a captive audience. They they work for the company. It's okay. like you go and, and sit, right. sit there, or else your contract is under review. Right. Maybe you won't <laughs> get that big spot. Like these, you know, <laughs> they're kind of being forced to be there. And and this was the most lively they've seemed. And maybe it's because it was an NXT show, but they had chants coming out of nowhere. Um, some of which I've never heard in W. I've never heard a culero chant in WWE. I want to throw that out there right now. I've only heard that on the indies, Lucha stuff. Like, um, So that was really cool. I've heard some chants. I've never heard. I've never heard some of the chants they, they threw out there. So props to them for actually bringing some serious energy and feeling like a real crowd for some of these matches. Yeah. Agreed, Nick, at some points, it felt like it dipped or they weren't quite on the same page. Um, Adam Cole does Adam Cole bay, bay and everyone's booing him as opposed to doing it with him. Almost like they're being told, you boo the heels, you cheer the faces. And there's nothing like a regular, you know, a, a, a Bizarro Land crowd where there may be some audience members that are, you know, doing the the lines with the heels. So it still was a little bit strange. But overall, I thought this was the best crowd we've seen since WWE started introducing the NXT PC crowd to the ringside. That
1: I agree with. And let's not also, I, I will kind of give it a pass for for tonight's show to the extent that we know that they, this was probably the tail end of about four or five different Raw and SmackDown tapings. You know, yeah. so this was they – they've been there them, for a while doing all Apparently, this Apparently,
0: I, I read that they're they're shooting Backlash after shooting – I have to look at it again. I'm, I was going to do this for the story for news tomorrow, but I'll throw it in here. They are actually going to make these guys go in at 8.30 a.m. on Tuesday, and they're supposed to be there till midnight. It's, they're just—it's relentless. So it's brutal. Also, so they you had a be code a
1: wrestler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not just taking bumps, right? Uh, code Orange did the theme song, and they actually played, quote unquote, live uh, at the beginning of all of this, as, as Triple H has done before, where he's had a band come out and play uh, to varying degrees of success. Where would you rank this on the band plays live? Before a show, Nick, like uh, of the ones you've seen, the ones that stick ch- out in
1: great. my memory are the Aleister Black entrance, obviously. Um,
0: That's a gra- that was poppy a great
1: doing Eo Shirai was fantastic. Um, Shockingly, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected that one. Um, but this one was the perform; it was fine. It's it's a performance. They they can do that, but I'm like you; I would have liked to have hear them do it live. But it's pre-taped.
0: So I, it was I very obviously it – was, it was like – Nobody sounds that perfect. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? no, and especially when they're obviously like singing on and off the mic, and yet it sounds exactly the same. As, as someone who is a live performer, I was watching this and pulling my hair out. Uh, but at least they didn't completely bomb like the guys who did Cody's theme uh, the last time they did that, whatever it was, All Out, I think, yeah. or All In, um, where they just – it sounded awful. I hear, you know, and, and credit where credit's due. Playing live is hard. Playing live on TV is harder. But not trying at all is kind of like, well, why are you even here? Yeah. you know. So if that, Beyonce that was can
1: do it at her concerts, you know, fine. Code Orange can do it on a NXT pay per view.
0: No, you're a metal band. Sack it up. I agree. Play if you if you can't play live, get out of, get out of get out of here. <laughs> you're not you're not a real band. Uh, I like the I, song purist, though. I like the track. Though. I'm a purist, but. Let's talk about the actual show, though, Nick. We're we're, we're sitting here and talking about the window dressing when we got to talk about what's outside the window, and that is starting off with the women's three-on-three tag match. Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart coming to the ring in a hurt tank versus Raquel Gonzalez, Candice LeRae, and Dakota Kai. Um, Nick, I think the best way we could describe this was, you know, kind of every woman got her shit in. It was, a, it was your typical three-on-three match uh, where pretty much everybody's a singles wrestler. Everyone gets in. They get their shit in. You deal with a couple of the existing feuds uh, towards the end of the match, like Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae. Candice and Mia end up brawling off the set into the back, so that's obviously still open-ended, but Tegan ends up manning up or womaning up and getting a pin, a clean-as-whistle pin, pin on Dakota Kai, possibly finally ending that feud. Do you think that that's over and was this match where it was all kind of everyone was thrown together at once was that the proper way to end it if so?
1: No, I don't think this is over. I think this is a continuation of a story that's going to break back off into individual singular feuds. You know, that's how it all eventually kind of came together and it they all one tripped over the other one and they all ended up in what we got tonight. But I think it's going to break back down I think Mia Yim and and Candice LeRae still have beef. I think Gargano and Keith Lee are still going to have some beef. We'll see how all that shakes out. But I I still think there's unsettled stuff between Tegan Knox and Dakota and Raquel that I don't think got settled in a six-woman tag match. I I still think that stuff needs to be blown off, even though they've tried to blow it off a few times. Um, So I think there's more to do here. This was fantastic. What a great opener for a pay-per-view, it's like being shot out of a cannon and watching them just, watch everybody, like you said, get their shit in and go crazy. But I I thought this was a great way to kick things off.
0: Well, absolutely, and it also says something that you can have a match like this, which is essentially organized chaos, and it's very easy for things to fall apart and for the cracks to show, and they really didn't for the most part. Like, all of these women were right on the money, they were right where they were supposed to be at the right time, they all looked and felt different. If you had just come in out of nowhere and seen this, you'd have Instantly, been like all of these women are individually interesting for different reasons. Agreed, um, and that's a that's I, I you couldn't say more about the quality of the NXT women's division than having a three on three match where everyone felt special. So, right well there, said. special and unique. So, and all their stuff looked good. So, yeah, that's really the best thing you could say about it. And and to have a match that essentially is, I mean, I don't want to call it a throwaway match, but it really. Didn't have any major stakes or anything. There was a couple of feuds that were ongoing in it, but it, you know, it wasn't like you didn't open the show with the Intercontinental match. You didn't open the show with the North American match or anything. You opened with a three on three match where there's a couple of simmering feuds. And it just happened to be a baller match with a bunch of women who went out there and kept it exciting from start to finish. So, uh, we, you and I both, because we thought it was going to open the show, we both called that the faces were going to win. Well, they I, I kind of talked
1: you into that one.
0: Um, well, you did, but then once I thought about it, it was like, oh, they're opening. They're probably going to open the show. It made all the sense, um, and it went down pretty much how we expected. With Teagan picking up the win, and hope. I, I personally hope it's done because I think it's going to be long in the tooth if they keep going with that. It, it very say, well I could it's, be. I it's I, I, what
1: I'm worried. It's settled for now. The odd woman out here is Shotzi Blackheart, and I think sure. that woman's got a big future in front of her. And I, I well, let's let's see what happens with their... I think Mia Yim and Candice yeah. LeRae have definitely got more. Uh, in the tank, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I hope Dakota, Raquel, and Tegan are kind of done and we can move on from that heel turn that
0: was last November. It's it's been going for eight months. Funnily enough, on the other side of things, one feud that basically didn't have any build, it had almost two weeks of, like, there was nothing. Uh, Finn Balor got attacked. We didn't know who it was until a week or two ago. Found out it's Damian Priest. Damian Priest comes out, hits him in the leg, and all of a sudden we have a match. But then it turns around, and this match ends up being one of the sleeper matches on the show. And if it wasn't for the match after it, it would have been the sleeper match of the show. It would have been the sleeper match of the show. It was awesome. Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. Um, and you talk about pace. I, you know, I thought the opening match with the women was at a fast pace. This was just relentless. Yeah. These dudes just went ham for like 15 minutes. It was awesome. It, inarguably, Nick, and correct me if I'm wrong, inarguably, the finest performance from Damian Priest since he's been in NXT. Agreed. The best he's looked. Agreed. Singles or triple threat or anything. This he didn't, and they didn't even do big fancy moves. Really.
1: And, and you know, I think we're, we're longtime fans of Punishment Martinez here on Busted Wide Open. So seeing this finally come out of him when we knew yes. he had it in him the whole time, that was kind of the, hmm, yes, finally, there's our the boy. Shot. There he is. Turn yes. his gimmick up to 11 is my only thing. Only thing. Yes, and exactly. And Kevin <laughs> Dunn, do it. after the end of the match, we had Prince doing finger guns and we had Damian Priest pulling his hands up to shoot a bow at him. We were going to have that shot and you cut away from it.
0: Uh, it's not Kevin Dunn in NXT. That would be uh, the tripster in the back and oh. whoever he's working with who's running the actual board. So, yeah, I, I think they, they must have just not seen it or something and not caught it. But it is it is what it is. The match itself was absolutely lights out. These guys were were hitting hard. They were going <laughs> all over the place. And, honestly, the finish I loved because I felt like Damian he felt like a legitimate threat to Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep him looking strong to keep him looking like, like a legitimate threat to anybody else. And they did because Finn essentially had to kill him to put him down. Damien looks like he's going for a uh, a big razor's edge off of the off of the uh, the ring apron onto the steps below, but the lower part of the steps, because the steps have been separated earlier in the match. So it was gonna be a huge fall. And it would have been an absolutely lethal bump if Finn had taken it. Yeah. Thank God he didn't, but instead got back in the ring, kicked Damien off of it, and Damien took the bump backwards onto the stairs, which was still hellacious. And the sound of his body hitting those stairs, Nick, will haunt me. I can still hear it. <laughs> that thump. Like this. It was like Thunk. It was like it was like deeper than a thud. It was a hood. It was just <laughs> it was just a side of beef hitting the oh hitting steel uh, 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 if you've uh, ever taken oh, an aluminum disgusting.
1: baseball bat and like hit a side of beef hanging in a slaughterhouse that's kind of what it what it sounded like yeah
0: uh, cuz i know you've it all done sick. that before sick. yeah right <laughs> <laughs> not all of us have the weird side projects you do nick no no, uh, no over in the over in the chat a super chat thank you esmeralda esme thank you love 2 dollars uh, she says punish Mart- Martinez." has entered the chat. Punishment Martinez has entered the building, and not only that, but he has finally staked some claim here. He doesn't just go outside and take that huge backdrop onto the steps. He then gets back into the ring and eats two coup de gras, one to the back of the head and then one right on his chest before Finn finally pins him. So Finn had to kill him to put him down. So even though Damien does lose here, I think that he kept a little bit of shine because Finn had to absolutely murderitize him to keep him down.
1: It was the nice double tap at the end that not to put him away that I loved. That was
0: fantastic. Yeah. So it, to me, I feel like they haven't really established that he's reached like his peak. Like, okay, he's not going to get any further beyond this point. I feel like, okay, Finn is just beyond him, and he killed him, but he could have a comeback. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like they left that open a little bit. Yeah. So maybe that's just being a fan of him, of his. And hoping that his stuff improves. Hoping that overall, as you said, they got to turn his gimmick up a little bit. Um, he's, missing, he's missing something. He's at, he's at like 90%. Yep. But this was the, definitely the best he's looked. And the happiest I've been with the performance of his. And Finn looks like he's just on gangbusters right now. Yeah.
1: Will James with a $5 super chat says, That bump was just a normal bump, but in Priest's deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir.
0: <laughs> well, well said. Well played.
1: Bump. Thank you, Will. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't know I wanted this match until yeah. about halfway through it, and then they, they were just going nonstop.
0: Uh, I think that's why it was a sleeper, Nick, yeah. is that you and I both on the show said, we're not really excited about this. No. Didn't and, and this overperformed. I, I, I
1: want to love it, show. but I, I, I think we talked about it on the kickoff show in the chat. I said I wanted to love it, but I couldn't find the care. You know, I, All we really had to go on was he hit him with the baton in the knee one time.
0: Right. Okay. He wants to take out Finn cuz Finn's a big target. Oh, oh, okay. All right. No story, but they put they told a fantastic match and a great story in the match. So, boom. Nice. However, the next match was the show stealer of the show, unsurprisingly performed by the man who does who has st- stolen every pay-per-view he's been on so far, Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. And on paper, you had to have assumed these two were going to go out and have a good match. Two of the most consistent performers in NXT right now. Um, But also a match, Nick, that we haven't really seen Keith have yet. He hasn't really had any big matches against... I mean, Roderick Strong comes to mind, um, but this was much more of a giant against a little man. And Johnny looked like a little man in this match. Yeah, he did. Um, And it was all about how does he cut down this mountain? And Keith didn't do any, like, big high-flying spots. He didn't do any of his uh, incredible acrobatics that he can pull off. This was about him acting like a big lumbering monster. Old-school, big wall of meat like you have in WWE. And him playing it, frankly, Nick, to freaking perfection. To perfection.
1: Yeah, the, the, what we got out of the strength spots. We got the uh, the spirit bomb and God Almighty... The spirit bomb, or spirit, but the uh, pounce into the hockey boards
0: through the hockey boards through the damn plexiglass at one point. I've seen a lot of hockey games.
1: (laughs) I've been to a lot of Kings games in L.A. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody charge at somebody that different size, that with that much ferocity.
0: I've seen hockey guys go through the glass, but I've never seen. So, I mean, this was the Adam Cole pounce spot just. (laughs) with props. Yeah. So it was and it was it was awesome this time as well. The strength spot that got me was Adam Cole trying to do some sort of armbar on Keith. Standing, Johnny like Gargano Keith standing up. not Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano. Yeah. What did I say? Adam Cole. <laughs> Adam Cole. Eh, little guys. Uh, Johnny Gargano's got Keith Lee in a standing armbar and Keith curls him. He curled him twice, Nick. He curled a full-grown human being. Twice. That's a big boy. It was, and then slammed him off the... It was insane. So, yeah, Keith played the big lumbering beast. Johnny Gargano tried to play the little wily guy. He And at some point, you know, Candace came out to distract. Mia Yim came up to clean up that mess. She and Candace brawled off again. Johnny reached down into his trunks and fiddled around with little Johnny there and pulled a key out from underneath it. That's his thing now. He's gouging people's eyes with keys and reached up and gouged Key's eyeball. So Keith's busy right now getting some antibiotics for the pink eye he's about to get. Ew. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't even want to know where Johnny was hiding that thing. He's got like that, that, that penis pouch. You know, it's like he's he's uncircumcised. It's just like hidden up there. Oh, just, okay, hm. come Pulled on, no, <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, God. Like the sound of a rubber band makes you pull it back too far. <laughs> uh, so he gets key, stabs Keith Lee in the eye. Keith, he still can't pin Keith. Kick him in the head over and over and over again. Can't put him down. Can't put him down. Keith finally man's up. Power bomb, spirit bomb, big bang catastrophe. One, two, three. Keith Lee retains the North American Championship. What a frickin' match, Nick!
1: Wow. Just I and listen when Mia and when Candice came out, and then Mia was right behind him, threw her into the ring, chased her through the ring, and they both ladies ran out the other side. I was waiting, and then we got the Johnny Key spot, and I was like, "That's gonna be that's gonna be it. This will continue. Johnny's gonna win." We we'll get okay it's it's kind of all go, playing out the way I half expected it to I did not expect full disclosure. I didn't expect Keith to retain here when we did our show uh, yesterday talking about it you did not so I you did I'm, not but yeah I'm you, pleasantly you picked,
0: surprised we both picked Gargano to pick it up. We both thought Keith was going up to the main roster um we both thought they were gonna seal Johnny's heel turn with a championship belt yep I guess that might still be coming down the road but Keith beat him clean as a whistle here yep. Johnny threw everything at him. Not everything, but he threw a lot of stuff at him, and he just could not beat him.
1: Pink eye, so, conjunctivitis, car keys, all kinds of stuff. Just everybody. couldn't take him down.
0: <laughs> he had the bum hand because he'd slammed Keith's hand right. into the stairs the other day, and he was picking at Keith's hand the whole match. Still couldn't put him down. I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought they'd given Johnny everything he needed to take out Keith and still protect Keith, but no. So, I, sweet. All right. I'm very curious to see how they ultimately take it off of Keith at this point because... Now he's had some good defenses of it. He's looked great with it. Obviously, I love our boy being champ, so I cannot be mad at this at all. The only downside is I wonder if this undercuts Johnny's heel turn because now he can't get the job done on the big stage.
1: Maybe they just switch the Uh, focus over to Candice for a little while and let her do her thing with Mia, and Keith comes out, and then Keith and Johnny have their thing outside the ring, much like Mia and Candice typically would. So let's see if the focus shifts over to Candice and Mia for the time being. That's my hunch. Is, is what we'll be going to. Give them some screen time. Give them some shine. Uh, and just keep the keep the feud hot between all four of them. So, uh, I think this is this is not a bad outcome. Uh, it yeah. was a fantastic match. It's not what I expected, but it's just a fantastic. It match.
0: isn't. I just was thinking back to the match uh, at Takeover Phoenix. I think it was where uh, he beat Ricochet for the North American title to cement his heel turn. Then. So uh, that's kind of what I was looking at here. But I guess they have a different plan this time. Yep. They don't want to try to repeat history. So fine, fine, fine. All well and good. <laughs> but then, of course, we had the Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole match. Uh, in <laughs> the back lot, I guess, we had a bunch of cars out in a, a back lot. It
1: was a Latino no, heat, man.
0: Studio back lot, uh, <laughs> all pointing the middle towards the ring yeah. with their lights on. Uh, apparently when they filmed this, the rain was a problem. It was actually raining. They had to wait. They had a rain delay. And you could see that a couple of times in this match uh, that the rain was an issue. But uh, yeah, this was a quote-unquote cinematic match where it was obviously pre-taped and they had edited the hell out of it. Um, But it was also Velveteen Dream's last shot at the NXT Championship. If he lost here, he would never get the challenge for the NXT Championship again. While Adam Cole holds it. Right. Is the caveat. Um, Nick, what was your overall impression of how this match, like the presentation of this match with the cars in a circle and the light and then the, you know, the, the edits and everything? What did you think about how they did this? Compared to like the other ones they've done, the the the, the final beat. I mean, I was waiting. I, was, I was
1: waiting for John Cena to come out with a lawnmower. You know, oh, uh, for crying. Let listen, me. the the spot with Adam Cole falling off the la- back off the ladder onto the windshield. Um, the big truck driving in. <laughs> uh, I, I guess he, Dog Ziggler liked the truck
0: too. Dog Ziggler was actually not a fan of this match. Even while this match was going on, he was barking at it. Wow. Uh, okay. It was the only time actually during the entire show that he woke up and was upset about something. This was the actual match where he was watching the screen and not happy about it. But that being said, it was because the moment that he freaked out on this match was when Dexter Lumis crawled off from underneath the ring to attack the Undisputed Era, who had shown up to help Adam Cole. So it's understandable that dogs don't like Dexter Lumis because yeah. he's a terrifying individual.
1: The, so I was going to save that bit for last. But the, um, the match itself overall... It, was, it seemed to be more about the presentation than the match itself, and I would, I would equate that around the boneyard match quite a bit. That was more about the presentation and the antics than it yes. was about wrestling, right? Right? Much like the boneyard match. but it was still it's still not not entertaining, right It, it was very entertaining.:
0: well, Here's the difference, though, the boneyard match was fun because it didn't take itself that seriously. There was some really goony stuff in the boneyard match. Really goony. Random priests showing up for them to just knock down and then disappear. Gallows and Anderson getting literally murdered to the point where they never showed up in WWE again. Yeah. Um, and, and AJ Styles getting literally murdered. Undertaker coming back from the dead and appearing behind AJ on the track. Like, oh, and like the light? Where'd the light come from? It's shh, It's cinematic. right? Not the case here. Here it felt like two guys on a studio set just kind of rumbling, like, you know, bouncing around. And there's a couple of spots they had to do. It was dry. It didn't feel engaging or interesting. The editing was absolute freaking garbage, way over edited, overcut. Um, the first thing I was thinking about, because of the color tone of the whole thing and the fact that it was a little bit, uh, little contrast was a little bit high, it reminded me a little bit of Lucha Underground. I can't help it. Um, the difference is Lucha Underground, they hold on takes. They let you get through the entire move. This was the match where uh, I think it was Cole gave or Dream gave Cole a superplex, and they cut three damn times in one move. What are you doing? It's a move. Let's see the whole big whoop boom up over and down move. That's what makes the move impressive is that it's a huge arc, not snip 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 the whole way down. It's so
1: it, it, to me. They're cutting around camera angles. There, it's not a matter of three cuts in the same move. It's about which angles look the best for for the for the shot.
0: For why weren't you had this? You're. It's a setup. It's a setup thing, man. You, you. Why not have a camera in the right place to catch the whole move? I know. I'm with you. There's no excuse for that's not an excuse. I know.
1: Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby <sighs> Fish, not Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish uh, jump up yes. in the back of the, the Bigfoot truck and start hucking chairs ECW style into the middle of the ring. I think there were about 127 chairs thrown the into
0: the middle of the, ring. the Bigfoot truck. The Bigfoot truck. Adam Cole drives to the ring in a Bigfoot truck. Can you believe that? T- that was actually that, one of the most entertaining Lynch, things
1: about Becky Lynch. it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, it was Becky Lynch's truck. They just repainted it. <laughs> right.
1: um, my favorite part of this whole thing, though. Match aside, all of the stuff aside. Yes, I love that they threw the chairs in. There were two things I want to call out. Uh, referee Drake uh, counting onto one of the chairs and then selling his arm as if he had hurt his arm counting. Yeah. On the- just that was
0: he's wow. a C- he's a czw just, guy just man quality. Shares, chairs hurt him quality,
1: quality referee i mean that's some rick knox caliber stuff right there the other thing was when dexter loomis did show up he roderick strong was going for a chair that was half sticking out under the ring and you saw the chair get sucked in underneath a, the ring what was that and dexter loomis like, comes just bursts out out from under the ring and, yeah. oh god It just, just scared it me. was
0: it it was a spooky. It was spooky. I love that he just lives under a ring. Yes, <laughs> but he beats that's old school. Beats
1: down Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, and then throws them in the trunk of the Chevy Malibu they drove in in, and drove them away, bringing the prophecy of his drawing from Wednesday to fruition.
0: He said he said he said he's going to kidnap him. He didn't lie. I just that need, part blew okay. my mind. <laughs> Nick, I need NXT this week to open. With Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish tied to a table with Saran wrap, completely immobile, the entire room is covered in plastic. Yeah, and Dexter Lumis just walks through the door and just stares at them. I needed to open like that, just please.
1: With some with some nar- third party narration going, my dark passenger.
0: <laughs> my yeah right exactly my, right my dark passenger. He's covered in va- in Vaseline. Right. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. um... <laughs> So that was the best part of the match was the Dexter Loomis segment. Yeah, um, and the bump Adam Cole took onto the car on the windshield was was pretty nasty too. But okay, Nick, let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room. Sure. The match ends with Adam Cole taking out Velveteen Dream on the chairs. Panama One Sunrise
1: two. onto the chairs. Panama right, yeah.
0: Sunrise onto the chairs. It's over. Dream over. He cannot challenge for Adam Cole's championship again. Uh, That's two in a row Dream has dropped. And this one was as clean as you get in this kind of match. What does this tell us about their perception of Dream? And by extension, do we start to worry about those allegations that are floating out there about what Dream may or may not have done with an underage boy in real life?
1: That's a big question. And and all we can do is we've already done our speculations on it. Uh, I, we don't have any new information on it there. He's going to have his day in court. There's going to be all of that stuff, but I
0: Metaph- metaphorically maybe, but yeah,
1: sure. But do you strap someone that is where that is still in question? Absolutely not. So right. that's really what it comes down to for me. And, and the other, the other elephant in the room here is Adam Cole's contract expiring in August. Uh, it it's almost guarantees yeah. now at this point that he is going to resign if, if he hasn't already.
0: There's so. been some counter rumors saying that his contract's actually for another year or so, so now whether his contract is actually up in August has been thrown into doubt. Uh, that being said, the sources for those are a little scurrilous as well, so it's re- It's all up in the air. Who knows? But that being said, I would say that Velveteen Dream never felt like, to me at least, and maybe, I don't know how the the universe feels about this, but... He a, Dream never felt to me like a legitimate contender for that title. He has in the past. There's other times in the past that Dream has felt like a legit contender for the uni- for the for the NXT title. But for whatever reason, the last six months, even before the allegations came out, he just didn't feel like he was there. Yeah. He wasn't as connected with the crowd when we still had one. Um, the gimmick isn't as fresh. There's not, there's not the, the sparkle's gone a little bit. But there are a bunch of other guys who do feel like they're ready to come for Adam Cole's title. A bunch of them. And I think that there's a, there's, a, there's a couple right off the top of my head. One of them beat Damian Priest, and that's Finn Balor, which makes him a legitimate contender. And the other one had the next match, which was Karrion Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa. But before we get to that, Nick, um, you picked Dream to pick it up here. I did. What do you feel about him not winning it?
1: Very telling. Um, it, I was. What, I is, was, it, I what was, is it telling? Uh, it's very telling in that I thought this was going to be either he's getting called up or he is if effectively getting removed from that from that title picture altogether. And and I think he almost haphazardly got into it in the first place when he was having the feud either earlier this year or end of last year with Roderick Strong. When he, they set his couch on fire, and then he was doing some stuff like all of that stuff, right. right? How it got to from Roderick Strong in the North American Championship to all of a sudden the NXT title, basically out of nowhere for no reason, and we've all kind of you know waddled around going, "What in the hell is going on for the last three or four months with this?" I, I don't know. So that's it. Was very telling to me that they don't want Velveteen Dream to have that title, at least not anytime soon. And I, yeah. I, it was a way to get out of what the corner that they had booked themselves into with this whole thing over the last three to six months. So, that was my big takeaway on it.
0: Uh, yeah, it just seems like a lot to go through for that. They it could doesn't. have just said that the last match was the last match. Okay, you don't get the title again. So having it, having it come back again was a little bit weird. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So. Uh, so that match happened, and I, I did pick Cole to retain because I think that someone who's coming for his title next is Karrion Cross, who had the next match with Tommaso Ciampa. And Nick, if you recall, I called a squash on this. Yeah. I said, this is probably going to be a squash match. They are so high on Karrion Cross. If it's not a squash, it's going to derail that momentum. And while I wouldn't call this a squash, Nick, I would call it, a dominant performance by Karrion Cross, absolutely lambasting Tommaso Ciampa, beating him pillar to post, suplex after suplex. Uh, Ciampa got a little bit of a spot at the end with the Willow's Bell draping DDT, a little bit of a, little bit of a comeback, but that was quickly squashed by a freaking F5 and then a cross jacket, and Tommaso went to sleep-sleep. He went night-night in about six minutes. So while I'm glad they gave Ciampa at least a little bit of something, if this wasn't ab- like an absolute enhancement talent, no-name squash, this was about as much of a squash as you're going to get on a former NXT champion.
1: Yes, I agree with that. Um,
0: this was a big statement.
1: Champa got just statement. enough offense in to you
0: know not <laughs> make it a squash. Right, exactly. Uh,
1: but it effectively was. I love Tom Phillips invoking the Beast Incarnate a couple of times to call out that that uh, that F five they didn't really call to it F five. To be
0: clear, Karrion and Cross is built like a brick shit house. Has a great move set. Is very talented. and Is going to go a long way. Yeah. He's not. He's not Brock Lesnar. He's
1: not Brock. He's more of a. Uh, I see a Randy. A lot of Randy Orton in him. I see. I see like a if, lot of, yeah, a more if, powerful, more agile maybe. Randy Orton in a way.
0: If Randy and Brock had some sort of weird mutant love child, sure. With 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 bad Alistair Black tattoos, then yes,
1: yeah, I could see but that. Like Lance Archer tattoos.
0: Um, he, he actually has stayed away from the tramp stamp area. I've actually noticed next. So uh, maybe not so much, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, real quick to the super chat, Chris, yeah. 1978, $10. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Chris. He says, Hey, yo, yeah. Hey, yo, <laughs> <"Sing laughs> say night to the bad guy. Say hello to the bad guy. And then uh, line drive. Kyle with 199 says this takeover for me was writing the NXT ship. and uh, for the most part, I would agree with you, Kyle. I th- I think that there was a lot of ending of feuds or finishing up feuds, tying up the loose ends that have been kind of flapping in the breeze ever since the quarantine hit, yep. and they've lost the crowds. They put some rockets on some people that needed them. Um. Yeah. There was a there was a lot of clicking into place on this, and one of them was having Karrion and Cross get that big old stamp. Like, yeah, he just beat frickin' Tommaso Ciampa. And frankly, honestly, I don't think we're going to see too much more than this kind of thing out of Ciampa in the future. He's winding down his career. That neck is – he's got a limited number of bumps. He's already said he's never going to the main roster. I have a feeling he's going to be a Please don't apron
1: bomb Tommaso Ciampa anymore. (laughs) I almost had a heart attack. Please. I can't watch another Ciampa 24 or three sixty-five with him talking about getting his neck and watching that dude. I, I can't. Please let's please be careful with the people that have had these restorative neck
0: surgeries. Yeah. Please. That no. was like a plus it was like a plus or a minus three to his bump count. Was that was that apron palm? But uh, but yeah, okay. Let's also talk about carrying cross real quick because here sure. we, here they are marking him. He's a marked man. They're saying, Yeah, this is our dude. Road dog even putting him over in a conversation about Adam Cole this week. All right. Um his entrance this was one of the spots where i was like the first time i saw his entrance nick i'm like wow this is really cool how do you replicate this over and over and over again how is this going to work on the main roster how is this going to work in varying situations you can't do this every time and it's so specific and so theatrical it's not always going to work and here's one nick where it frankly was a little bit it just didn't quite work for at least for me it was a little goony.
1: what was it They come
0: out well, they come out and they do the typical thing, you know, the, the, the blurry bird flying on the, on the Tron and the smoke and everything. And Scarlet is in this insane bodysuit and um, out comes Karrion Cross. He's in a hood and he's looking really intimidating. And he's got very, very like overdone facial expressions. Um, and he gets in the ring and it's all apocalyptic and everything. And there's a freaking goofy house set in the background. And then the whole thing ends, and there's so much damn smoke in the arena that when Tommaso Champa comes out, he actually looks more epic getting to the ring than Cross did. He comes out in the smoke, and the smoke reveals Champa coming out of the door. He just walked out, and it looked more epic. So, it made me, it made me worry about that presentation of Cross, um, because you can't rely on that entrance too much. And if we've learned anything about the main roster is that they ruin entrances more than they ruin call-ups. Yeah. And that entrance, if not done a hundred percent, right is just weird. You know? Yeah. It's almost as weird as Scarlett's over mouthing the words of the song.
1: I, so I, I respectfully disagree on this one.
0: Fair enough. Give me your reason why.
1: I When I see big theatrical entrances like this, I immediately go to, what's that going to look like at WrestleMania in a few years? I think it's going to look fantastic. I think if they hone in on the, the, the slow motion bird flying, the amount of... Look, it, as elaborate as Undertaker's entrance is, they can make a carry and cross entrance, right? And I'm going to stop right here in the mid-explanation and go... Chris, nineteen seventy-eight, <laughs> just ordered to put it in my eye holes, Sir Ian Dangerous. Is it a you t-shirt? Know. I guess it's yeah. a t-shirt. Yes. Dog Did, Ziggler it, right? sends Thank his you. thanks as as yes. well. I hope you enjoyed Thank your you your Ziggler. delivery via Nick Guard One,
0: <laughs> Nick Guard on One
1: screen here. Uh, but no, going back to the uh, to the to what we were talking about, we could sit here and probably talk for an hour about the entrance and all of yeah. that. He just literally <laughs> eviscerated. One of the guys that has been the hottest thing in NXT for the last two to three years.
0: <laughs> Thankfully not. Literally, this would have been a rated R. I
1: understand. Pay per view hashtag so. PG era, right? Okay. But uh, I. But I mean
0: figuratively. He, he figuratively if that's
1: Figuratively, <laughs> figurative, yes. I, I know dogs. I know rickling, grammar. Yes.
0: Grammar, Nick. <laughs> He's a grammar I, Nazi. This dog.
1: But that aside, the entrance that we were talking about, I think, will look fantastic if they can get it on a big enough screen. They can pump enough smoke. All of that stuff. I think it's going to look fantastic. You can have Scarlet doing her thing, dancing around, you know, lip syncing to their song. I don't know how many yeah. times you can say "Fall and Pray" down the WrestleMania ramp for half an hour, but that's I, that's the stuff I, I worry about.
0: Feel like they're setting the stage for an Undertaker entrance, and he just he needs more accoutrements. He needs more knickknacks. He needs more details. Details would be the word I would use for it. Undertaker has a lot, of, a lot of details to his outfit, to his character. He's gone through a bunch of different phases of it. And there's always a lot of details to everything. And they, a lot of them have meaning. Yeah. Um, right now, Karrion Cross comes out looking like a creator wrestler. And around him is all of this really like visual and and symbolic stuff. And then you've got, like, you know, Caw number three coming out to the ring right. with a Brock Lesnar moveset.
1: I think they tried so, to do a little bit of that this time more so. He was in the black leather jacket and he walks out and he looks and turns to the side uh, into the camera. I, they, I can see them trying to do different things, but uh, just like I say with Damian Priest, he turn it up to eleven. Make
0: the up. make the character well, match the entrance. It's already up to eleven. Everything has to match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're right, but Dave, like they've got to get Cross himself. To match his entrance, yeah. and like he's mugging like crazy, but then he's in like just basic, you know, wrestling gear—the black trunks and black boots. Yeah, like it'd be like John Cena coming out now in his ruthless aggression outfit, right? Right. It doesn't fit the like the gimmick doesn't fit. Like you've got about and like all the neon and don't give up behind him, but then he comes out in the in his you know little shorty shorts, his lycra shorts, and not his jorts, right. and then his lycra shorts. With the little spiky hair, it wouldn't fit, right? right? This feels a little bit like that, yeah. Where you have like the Undertaker, you have like Undertaker two entrance, and then like basic dude comes out. So, all right, we don't want to we don't want to harp on it too much. Like we already we've have. made our point. Yeah. Well, we That's made. Like I said,
1: point. we could we could talk for an hour about entrance logic and and how to you know it's, it's, yes we we it's really it's could. all that stuff. But
0: yes, Chris nineteen seventy eight in the chat two dollars. He says, but these go to eleven.
1: I think Who he's that? referring to Damian Priest and Karrion Cross as their entrances yes. or their gimmicks go to 11. I think the entrances yes. do. The
0: entrances the are 11. The characters
1: do not. Like an 8.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But why not just make 10 louder? These go to 11. These go to 11. <laughs> the next match, the main event. Nick, we haven't really talked about the layout of the show yet. The NXT Championship defended third from last, by the way, which was I honestly when I saw that I thought that was very telling yeah in a lot yeah. of ways that they didn't put the cinematic match or the NXT championship last the women opened the show the women closed the show
1: which when they did play the NXT championship match I was like oh shit they're doing this one already Oh, dreams definitely winning then
0: see that I was, said that was kind of my thought my thought was oh dreams definitely not winning yeah and that means the titles changing hands also because no other title changed hands on the show. Right. And if you don't have at least one title changed hands on a pay-per-view these days, it's a glorified house show.
1: Yep. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so
0: Sorry. we go into the final match, Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship with that hanging over our heads. And they end up putting on, I would say, Nick, a very fine match.
1: It was absolute
0: It was exactly what it needed to be.
1: Couple of little knit, I like the most extreme of nitpicks here and there, uh, especially that, that setup right at the end. Um, I don't know if we need to spend too much time talking about this. And, I frankly, I don't know if I want to spoil that for the people that haven't watched this yet. But, I mean, there. this was... I, when they were coming out, I was looking at it, and I was going, okay, it's, it's 9 p.m. We've been here two hours. Let these ladies have a 30 to 40-minute knockdown drag out Bring in weapons. Use the use the house set. Use everything. Please don't let this be over in fifteen minutes or less. Let's. This is. We need this match of these three ladies to be massive. We need this Mm -hmm. to hit all all hit on all cylinders.
0: And they did. They hit everywhere. They went out and threw each other into the barrier. As you said, Nick, we went back and up into the set. Rhea threw Mitch the house plant at Charlotte at one point. EO went through the set, but then somehow ends up on top of the damn house and doing a, 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 a cross body onto both other ladies from the top. Uh, all over the place. Nice catch, two ladies, by the way. And then in the ring as well, they were smacking the crap out of each other. Charlotte at one point gets a kendo stick and just lays into both of them. Um, but the big surprise here like we figured they were going to put on a good match and we'll get into our nitpicks about the actual actual match in a second but the finish was and jeff hardy's somewhere smiling uh charlotte puts Rhea into the figure eight looks like it's going to end just like wrestlemania when we see Eo shirai on the top turnbuckle coming off big moonsault onto Rhea's face Absolutely. If Rhea doesn't have a broken ch- Knee uh, cheek. to face. Knee to face.
1: Hashtag Shinsuke.
0: And as Charlotte is unaware that Rhea's been hit, she continues that move, her, her figure eight. Io pins Rhea's shoulders down. One, two, three. Io Shirai is your new NXT Women's Champion. And Charlotte has had the belt taken away in her first pay-per-view defense. Not mad at it. My goodness. It's, My goodness. And then, we, by the way, we cut away, and cu- when we cut back, EO's in the ring celebrating on the turnbuckle. Streamers everywhere, confetti everywhere, full-on Japanese-style celebration, even though we don't have a crowd that can do it for her. They got it done anyway. That was an awesome touch. But here, okay, so let's talk about this, Nick, because coming into this, the story is pretty much, I mean my beef with this was EO felt like a third wheel. She felt like someone who was just there to eat the pin. The real story was Charlotte and Rhea. And for most of this match, EO looked like she was out of place. You have these two absolute houses of women, just massive walls of muscle as far as women are concerned. And they're beating the crap out of each other. And EO just looks like she's out of place because she's like half their size. right? So... She just looked like, a, a, a and, and she made her presence felt, flying around, doing a bunch of more acrobatic moves, came off the top of the house, as we talked about. But did this feel like it should have been more about Rhea and Charlotte, or did it already feel like it was all about Rhea and Charlotte, and EO snuck out the victory? And, and I'm asking about the match itself, because what comes next is a, is a separate topic as well.
1: Okay. Well, the same I, well theme. to answer your question directly, I feel like we've already had Rhea and Charlotte. I'm, I'm happy. I, I like that we got a little, a couple of little hat tips and nods back to
0: Rhea and Charlotte. But to clarify, Nick, what I mean by Rhea and Charlotte is Rhea had all the momentum coming out of last year. This was the story they told. Yep. Rhea, like she was the hottest thing in wrestling. She had massive wins at Survivor Series. Destroyed Shayna Baszler. Uh, and you know, immediate NXT champ soon she came to NXT. Like all of that, and she hit the wall that was Charlotte at WrestleMania. She hit a brick wall, stopped her cold, and now the perception is. She's not as exciting. She doesn't have all this momentum, right? That's the story, is that Charlotte stopped Rhea. And Rhea still needs to get that back from Charlotte. And she did in this match. She was, at the end of this match, Rhea was pinned, and Charlotte had her dead to rights. Yep. So Rhea is still, has been, she's been knocked way down on her peg. Right? She's knocked down a few pegs. And Charlotte is still Charlotte. She didn't get pinned. She got trick <laughs> out of her title. Yeah, so,
1: and it reminded me a lot of the semifinal triple threat match from the Cruiserweight where Kushida had Jake Atlas in the arm bar. And sure, here comes Drake Atlas shooting in, pins Jake Atlas, one, two, three, Drake Maverick moves on. So I see where your sneakery is coming in. Uh, yeah. I, I get that. And and kind of as, a, as a, as a smaller woman, you kind of have to do some of that sometimes, especially when you have two units like Rhea and Charlotte in there just beating the holy hell out of you got the sure. super riptide again, like she gave to Shane to Baszler to take the title initially. She and got that Charlotte. Charlotte. Yep. EO mm-hmm. breaks it up. You got you got the uh, the high spot. Well, as Rhea and Charlotte were tossing it up outside the ring out by the house, EO climbs to the top of the roof, crossbodies both of them, breaks it up. You have uh, sort of a botchy figure eight in process right at the end of the match, and Rhea is about to tap, it feels like. EO breaks it up. So, yes, did it feel like that Io was constantly fighting upwards? Yeah, and I think that's going to do her well. I think that's going to be... But does it solidify her as big of a champion as Rhea and Charlotte? No, because I think it's a different kind of champion. But I liked the celebration. I liked the way this was done. I think that Io and Rhea... Charlotte can go chase Bailey now. As I called on the show the other day... I think that Charlotte's going to go yeah. chase Bailey now because I they agree. had that little beef session on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. They just put the SmackDown titles or women's tag titles on Bailey and Sasha, and Charlotte can go get the, the SmackDown women's championship. I, I that I agree. let Rio, Rio, R- Rio, Rio. That's what I'm going to call him. Let her Re- name is Rio, and she dances in the and sand. Da- yeah. yeah, let yeah. them go to war. I want to see absolute war, trash talking, all kinds of stuff for that championship. Uh, between the two of them, let's let NXT be NXT. Charlotte, thank you for your service. You may go. Uh, th- and that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking about it. I like this. But here's this.
0: the here's the problem with that, Nick, is that then EO has has scraped out this match only to hold on to that title until Rhea can beat her for it, and then Rhea still has the mountain that is Charlotte. She has to climb at some point, and that's way off in her future. Yeah. EO still ends up being a transitional champ in that sense. I think that Rhea has to go away from EO for a while and do something else. Um, otherwise you run the risk of EO's championship reign meaning nothing and everyone forgetting that she's a champ. It, and that's partly because the women's title reigns have been so long in NXT for the last few years that it feels like if you don't have, you know, Asuka, Sheena Baszler two-year run, you have a short reign. Um, you know, people forget that Kyrie Sane was a champ. Yeah. So it's It's another one of these situations where I feel like EO even being involved in this is kind of a disservice to her because even if you strap her here, which you kind of the only way that you could actually not have this all be a disservice to her is to strap her. But even if you put the belt on her, now you're in the predicament where you've got a Rhea Ripley and Rhea wants that belt. She also wants revenge on Charlotte and she kind of needs the one to get the other. And she now Charlotte's gone. So what you're gonna, she can't go to main roster unless they call her up, which is one option, and that could be cool. Royal
1: Rumble next let, year with Charlotte as a and champion let, and have Rhea challenge her on the main roster. you know. But
0: the, you still, the, 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 the issue here is Io Shirai. What do you do with Io Shirai now? She already felt like the third wheel in this feud. If Rhea goes after Eo, it feels like she's ignoring Charlotte, and that undercuts Rhea because the real enemy is Charlotte because Eo just snuck out the win. So, and then if you have her go for EO, she's got to beat EO. And then that's bad for EO because she drops the belt. So it's it's a really awkward situation for EO here, I think. Um, I like having Charlotte be the final boss for Rhea and her having a goal and something to get to. But again, this kind of leaves EO out in the cold unless you get Rhea away from EO and do something completely else with her. Sure. And Nick, I know we got a bunch of super chats we got to get to. We just
1: yeah, got caught uh, Kyle up there. said basically the same thing I did. Rhea and Io need to go to war through uh, through all the way through Mania after this. Make it Gargano, Champa, Ember, Oscar. Oh yeah, I, that's I, I don't know if there's enough <laughs> beef there for those kinds of things, but the Ember Oscar reference I get. Throw a little Nikki Cross in there too during that time, and you've got a you've got a really fun women's division. And I think they've got the women. To do that, you know, throw throw a Dakota Kai in there. Yeah. You know, have stuff, Rhea something... go
0: somewhere else, do something else. But the issue of EO Sarai and Charlotte simmers for a long time. But don't have EO do other things. You have a huge women's division. Have EO do other things for about five months, six months. Yep. Have Rhea do other things. Don't have them immediately go back to each other because then that really undercuts one of them. Because yep. one of them's got to lose. And that's not good for either of these women coming out of this match. No.
1: Thank you very so, much, Kyle, for the five bucks. Also, Esme uh, with two bucks said, love thank everyone you. being obsessed with Rhea's boot. She had one white boot on. I'm assuming
0: one white boot, from the WrestleMania match. Yeah, uh, one eye, yeah. One white eye, one white boot. <laughs> thank um, you, Esme, for the two bucks. Appreciate it. Yeah. We assumed the white boot was the the foot that was ta- she was tapped out on at WrestleMania and that she was wearing her scars. But what,
1: what do you make of the um, the, the slipped-out foot on the figure four at the end of the match? Much ado about nothing?
0: Much ado Not about nothing. All it right. is what it is. Yep. It happens. Yep. It happens. The story was still there. That's all that matters. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, we will see what happens next with the women's division. Lots to do there. NXT's women division is probably the hottest thing it has going besides Keith Lee. So, um, overall, Nick, as we get to the end of this, you picked EO to win. I picked Adam Cole to retain. Everything else we agreed on and won or lost accordingly. We tied on the pickums on this one, my friend. We end up even. How did so? Let's talk about the whole show. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Where did this rank on the takeover rankings? Like, how was this? Was this just like a solid show? Was it below average, above average? What did you think of takeover in your house?
1: Absolutely solid. But if I look back at a takeover Portland. Takeover 25. I'm just it. It it doesn't. I don't feel as hyped as I did after that pay per view. I can the war the original the bringing back of the war games matches. Like Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the greater Takeover set that we've got at this point. Uh, The Takeover Brooklyn two. I think it was is one that stands out. We had the the breakup. Uh, no, it was the Takeover New Orleans. Where Takeover
0: 25. Like, yeah, we, we can list there, off. There's
1: so many, and and I don't want it to take away from any of the matches mm-hmm. and some of the new superstars getting a lot of shine in this pay per view. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, you know, I, if uh, if we're Ra- Raquel Gonzalez finally looks like an absolute monster.
0: Damian Priest finally having a good match.
1: Priest finally showing out. Um,
0: Cross Perry getting Cross, a big rocket.
1: Uh Io is your new women's winning the champion. Belt. All of yeah. this, stuff. like I don't want to take anything away, but I don't have that. Oh my god, what did I just watch? Kind of just
0: yes. Uh,
1: well said, Nick. That That's, I normally uh, do.
0: Very good point. Very good point. And I, I think uh, part of that was the presentation, but a very small part. I think mostly is because a lot of these feuds didn't have a whole lot of steam under them. There was not a whole lot. That's a good Uh, point. Like, even in the video packages, like, there wasn't... You didn't have that same sense of, oh, my God, this is... What a feud. What a... This is going to be a banger match. There was a lot of being surprised by how good the matches were on this, but there wasn't that feeling of, I can't wait to see this match for the whole show, across the whole show. And and I would actually say that uh, Dream Cole was one of the lesser matches I've ever seen on TakeOver. Um, I, I mean... To be clear, it was still a very solid show. It was. The takeovers are never a bad show, ever. They haven't had a, a bad show yet. This was just not a great show. I would say a solid B um, as takeovers go on the takeover scale. On the right. WW pay-per-view scale, we're looking at like a B plus, A minus, let's be clear. But this is, for a takeover, it was just kind of there. And part of that might have been the crowd, part of that, the set and the, and the theme, part of that, the matches and the setup for the matches and everything, you know, the, the, uh, all of the feuds were just kind of meh. Part of that being that the, the, even the title feuds were kind of thrown together, I felt like.
1: Had more uh, things transpired, had other titles changed hands, had yeah. other interferences happened that had stakes and outcomes beyond TakeOver tonight,
0: yeah. The, the best match, one of them. I mean, you could argue the women's match or Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano, best match on the card. Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano was a match about people m- mocking each other about how they eat dinner.
1: I can't say it any better than that.
0: Okay, like that's not a feud.
1: And there was a title there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was a title. So, yeah, a very good show, obviously, worth watching. But as takeovers go, it was just kind of there.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering if that was also a little bit of they just kind of threw it out there. And again, I like the idea of trying new stuff, especially during these trying times. I don't fault Trips or Sean or Regal or anybody else for wanting to try to bring back something like this. So we know Cody is trying to revive Bash at the Beach right? The old pay-per-views to get some of that lapsed fan nostalgia, all sure. that. It's a decent idea to try an in-your-house to bring back some of those same kind of people. Was it the yeah. right one? I, I don't know.
0: I- well, all I know, Nick, and just to just to finish out here, I'll just say that after watching TakeOver in-your-house, I'm looking forward to October and watching TakeOver Halloween Havoc.
1: Yes, or Bad Blood.
0: Or, b- or Bad Blood. Bad Blood <laughs> really good. Yes. Yes. Or Armageddon. Oh, wait. No, that's already happening anyway. We don't need a pay-per-view of that. Got it. Okay, just...
1: One more Super Chat to get to. Esme sent in two bucks. Thank you very much. Will it still be defended across all brands? I'm assuming she's referring to the NXT Women's Championship. Yes, I
0: believe she is. (laughs) I'll I'll say this. (laughs) No. No.
1: That was a Charlotte Flair thing. That's a Charlotte That wasn't an NXT Women's Championship thing. No.
0: The the belt itself has not been elevated. That was Charlotte just being Charlotte.
1: Charlotte and a Charlotte.
0: Charlotte, going to Charlotte. Right. Yeah. I wish wish they would have belts defended across brands, but apparently that's only the NXT belt and not the Raw or SmackDown belt. So it does make sense to keep it on NXT because that's the rules for all the other belts.
1: I mean, I don't see why not. It's hashtag WWE logic. I mean, they can can do whatever they want. They changed the color of the Universal Championship when Brock took his ball and went home.
0: Because it's only on one brand. That's what I'm saying. It's All locked right. on that brain, All
1: right.
0: so so no. E- EO will be defending it against NXT women. <laughs> We're not going to see EO versus no. I don't know Dana Brooke next week or something. No,
1: <laughs> open challenge. Jeez.
0: Right. right.
1: Well, there you go, guys. NXT Takeover in your house is in the books. Please let us know in the comments down below what you guys thought of the show. Uh, you've heard it here from me and Ian first. So lots of good things, lots of ah, 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 kind of things. I what is NXT
0: champion Io Shirai doing in the impact zone? <laughs> it's an open challenge, NXT championship defended across all brands. <laughs>
1: Make sure you like this comment and subscribe to the channel here so you get access to BWO Daily, our daily news show uh, where we talk, give you a quick bite, 10-minute nugget on all the news for happening throughout that day. Uh, you can also find find us live streaming every Tuesday and Saturday. Right here on this channel as well. Or you can find our audio podcasts anywhere podcasts are distributed. You can also come over and join us on Facebook. Uh, Just search for Busty Wide Open. Like our page and send us a join request to get into the group. With the rest of the phenomenal ones... Uh, You can also get into our Discord where we had a very, very lively chat uh, during uh, NXT TakeOver in your house tonight. We also have those chats happening at every show all throughout the week. So Raw, AEW, NXT, SmackDown, and more. As well as our good friend Andy Jessup doing his throwback chats where he's gone back and started watching WCW and WWF stuff from the very beginning and is coming forward, so he does that. I think every night at this point, he's been doing a, a few things in there. So definitely get yeah, into our if you, Discord. If you want your
0: throwback content? You want your throwback content? We got your throwback content. Absolutely, Andy Jessel got your throwback content. It's yeah. great.
1: Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. And if you like to get in on some of our brand new, just launched yesterday merch, you can find links to that down in the description below. Uh, what else we got? Patreon patrons. Thank you all to our for all of our phenomenal ones. If you'd like to get in on some of our exclusive rewards, head over to patreon.com BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers so you can get copies of the show notes, the ability to ask listener questions on our patron mailbag series, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff at the higher tiers. Uh, but that's patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, what you and got? If,
0: and if you're looking for a little throwback after this in your house... Uh, go check out Bobby the Brain Heenan versus Lord Alfred Hayes in an uh, AWA. Uh, after hearing the uh, the Lord Alfred Hayes knockoff doing the commercials for this In Your House, I had a big old flashback. So, <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby Heenan versus Lord Alfred Hayes in AWA. Mwah, good stuff.
1: Throw us a like on this video. Make sure you share it with your friends that have watched it. Don't spoil anything for them. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DatacenterDude.
0: And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at DatacenterDude. Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! But somebody stop the damn man? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.